Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? 
Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Strut Report. I am your host, Jacob Myers, a.k.a. the Ginger Bow Hunter. Hope you've had a great week, and we're going to end it on a good note uh, with another really cool strut report. Now, this episode, we do something kind of different. We actually uh, decided to do a little more kind of in-depth episode with two of our uh, close friends, both Devin Duncan and Cy Colley of a really in-depth uh, interviews on what's kind of going on with them and really what's working for them right now. Uh, and we actually cover some really cool topics uh, with each guy. Uh, one that's really interesting with um, uh, Devin Duncan is how he uses a mountain bike uh, to cover uh, ground on public land, but use it to his advantage, especially in areas where he has time restrictions, so he can hunt longer and then get out of the public land quicker than if he could just by foot, uh, which is really interesting. Also, how he uses uh, certain calling to strike up birds uh, throughout the morning and throughout the day as he's covering ground. So we go very in-depth with that. And along with Cy Cawley, uh one interesting thing that we talked about with him, which is a tactic he's been using for quite a while, which is actually gobbling for turkeys. Uh, we and Andrew talked about this a few weeks ago on the uh, Monday's episode, and uh, we actually dove a lot into this uh, topic of gobbling up gobblers uh, with Cy because he's been doing it for a long time, has a lot of success, and actually his first bird of the year this year, he gobbled it uh, or gobbled at it um, just off the roost and pulled it away from a group of hens, which is fantastic. So we go in-depth with that as well. But, again, hopefully you've enjoyed um, you know our episode from this past Monday, and hopefully you're going to enjoy this strut report. But, like always, we appreciate you guys for following along. Make sure you like and subscribe. Also check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're having any success, shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you guys. But other than that, I will shut up and let's jump right into this week's episode. All right, guys, and first on the line, we got our buddy Devin Duncan coming back on, uh, kind of giving us a little more in-depth report for this week's episode of the Strut Report. So, Devin, how are you doing, man? Hi, bud. How's it going? Been great, man, other than not getting out turkey hunting. But, hey, it's good talking with you and uh, a couple of our other buddies who's having some success, you know, across the the East Coast. Um, so, uh, for anyone that doesn't know Devin, you know, Devin, you you're live in from Virginia, but you've had a little bit of luck the last few weeks. Not re- well, I won't say luck. You've been killing some birds the last few weeks, putting in some work, uh, both in Virginia and West Virginia. So we're going to kind of break down a little bit of all that. Um, so kind of, you know, kind of going through both states and what's their transition been like since Alabama, when you were hunting these areas, you know, kind of focusing on public land. Um, first off, you know, what was the gobbling activity like uh, where you've been hunting over the last week and a half or so? Uh, it's been very minimal. Uh, little to none almost. Um, I heard uh, Virginia came in uh, a week ago, last Saturday, and um, heard I had good luck roosting birds. Um and I heard gobbling most every, I think I heard at least a gobble every day. There was like one day, one or two days where I only heard like one gobble at daylight or something. 
Um, but it wasn't much goblin. Um, kind of the the, the the area that you know, I live. I live in Western Virginia in the mountains, and the area that I'm in, I can't. You know, of course, I can't speak for all of Virginia. It's just where I'm at. Um, it's a big country and um, low population density. So you got, you know turkeys are kind of in pockets there there's turkeys scattered out but you got like these little pockets where there's a little more birds to hunt and work with and um they don't have to really compete for hens because there's there's a lot more hens than there is gobblers it's like they it's a combination between predators um some pressure and like the bird like gobbler to hen ratio like it's like they, it's, it's almost like they don't have to compete for hens they don't have to gobble for hens they know where they're at um, they're you know they're flying down to them and and finding a uh, a hot lonely bird is um, is hard to come by for me you know I gotta you know, hunt and hunt and hunt and I find a bird hunt 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 and you know I'll finally find a bird um, but I hunted Virginia my stomping you know my, my home air my home range you know I call it places that I've been hunting my whole life and I like the back of my hand and you know public ground. And I only uh, killed one bird um, opening week. Uh, how I killed him was uh, I did some scouting before, right there before season, and the gobbler was there. And Rooster Dean the night before season, Shane Simpson came in and hunted with me a couple of days. I was trying to get him a Virginia bird. Uh, couldn't end up not getting him a Virginia bird. Um, we split, we hunted that the bird I killed opening day. Um, he gobbled pretty good there for a little bit and he hit the ground and we didn't know it, but he had several hens. We, we heard one hen make a little mutter. Um, so we knew he had a hen, but at the time we didn't realize he had a harem of hens. He had like five or six hens. Uh, so I, you know, paid attention to where he flew, like the direction he flew down and where his drumming, where he was doing all of his drumming and, and then where his drumming faded away to and we lost him. So then, um, I roosted some birds that it was uh, two days later. It was Sunday night. I mean, it was the next night. So Sunday night, you know, I was trying to find some birds for me and Shane. And I sent Shane to another place to listen that night. He didn't hear nothing. I heard the bird we hunted opening day and another bird gobbled one time. So I, I sent Shane in the direction uh, of where the other gobbler gobbled and we split up. Um, so I went back after one opening day and then I snuck in there early um, and just got into where, towards where he flew down and where his drum faded away. Well, I snuck in there early, you know, well before first light. And I made my last, you know, couple hundred, you know, two, maybe 200 yards approach with a little bit of light in the sky without a light. You know, I didn't really, I used the light. I kind of went way out of the way. I, it was a, you know, I probably didn't have to walk five six hundred yards of that if it went in a straight line but i went up the mountain around and then worked my way back down to the gobbler just to you know strategically kind of work my way into the bird and um because i knew exactly where he was and i got to where i wanted to be and they got time uh i wanted to let him know i was there so i made a little you know a couple little once he gobbled a couple times i made a couple little tree calls and i didn't realize it but then all of a sudden um hens I, I somehow or another i'd snuck my way right into his hens he was about 120 100 100 125 yards down from me or a little further 
and somehow or another I got right in with his hands like his hands was all around me so I, I see why when he flew down that morning I don't know why he liked his tree so much but he he was 150 you know 125 yards from his hands but um for some reason he liked his tree a lot and the gobbler was roosting on private property and I was not knowing, you know, I was about 50 yards up, up on the net, 50, 60 yards up on the National Forest. Well, it, his hands, uh, one pitched down. And as soon as that first hand pitched down, he, he immediately flew down. And she was in shotgun range. And then the other, and then all of a sudden, you know, I didn't realize, well, here, here comes another hand, another hand flying down. It was five, five or six hands. And um, they all landed in shotgun range around me. So I had like a full live spread decoy spread. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I knew uh, I knew that gobbler was in trouble because they when they hit the ground it's they didn't really go anywhere they just kind of hit the ground and just stood there and looked around the hens didn't really move I guess they just kind of waking up and checking every looking around them making sure there wasn't nothing trying to get them or something but they was just kind of chilling and the gobbler that first hen pitched down and he pitched down and I heard his drum coming and I seen him and um, he come right up to me. Uh, in those hens and I you know when I seen all those hens flying down around me you know I knew he was in trouble but I killed that bird you know it wasn't no calling involved really or it was just a matter of I call it scouting but it, you know I found the bird you know I scouted him for season but when you're hunting you're always you're scouting what the whole time you're hunting so watched what he did or listened to what he did opening day and then base that he was really liking that spot and he kept you know it was a homebody to that tree his time was you know he was limited in his time you know so um that's how i killed that gobbler so i hunted uh actually what happened i killed that gobbler and then shane uh shane met up with me he where i sent him i ended up sending him to a gar hole uh the gobbler that i sent him towards he never even gobbled well there was a couple other gobblers two or three gobblers scattered out on the mountainside across the valley from me and they gobbled pretty good on the limb, and they hit the ground, and they kind of shut up. You know, I was listening to all this going on while I was hunting the bird I was hunting. So I killed the bird, and me and Shane met up. Um, it wasn't well, There was no cell phone, cell phone service there, uh, but uh, Shane happened to come out because he hadn't heard nothing there. So he came to me, and we met up and, you know, talked for a minute and showed him the bird. And I said, hey, I heard a couple gobblers over here. You know, in this direction, I know where they're at. You know, they shut up, but, you know, I know where they're at, and you can work your way up in there. And, you know, mid-morning, late morning, you know, you might get one fired up or, the, you know, separation from his hands or whatever's going on. At least I knew where there was a couple birds at. So <clears throat> I had taken, or that morning, I took my bicycle a couple miles up the road and left it, you know, left it in the brush so that the gobbler that, that I was hunting in daylight didn't work out. I was going to make a hunt out around the side of the mountain to my bicycle and then ride my bicycle back down the road to my truck. So I was just going to make a hunt out of it because I knew there was another gobbler around the mountain, one around the mountain about a mile. And um, because that, that gobbler, uh, the other gobbler I'm speaking of, that if the gobbler on daylight didn't work out, I was going to make a hunt around the side of the mountain. Me and Shane hunted that gobbler opening day too. We found him like mid-morning and he gobbled pretty good. And then by the time we got to him, he shut up. Um, but anyways, so I, we didn't, like, once again, there was no cell phone service in this country, and I sh sent Shane towards where these other birds were, and I said, you know, good luck. I'm going to go up here and get my bicycle, and I was going to go ride around 
and listening for other turkeys, try to locate some other turkeys to uh, help improve odds. He's getting Shane a gobbler in the few days he was here to hunt. And um, so I went up there to my bicycle, and lo and behold, uh, that other gobbler was fired up. Um, but there was no way for me to get a hold of Shane. Um, that gobbler was was ready to die that morning, but I there was no you know you say there wasn't no service up in there. There wasn't no way for me to get a hold of Shane. And um, so that gobbler was killable. But like I said, I I was already tagged out, and there wasn't no way to get a hold of Shane. And he ended up hunting up in there where I sent him the rest of the morning and, and didn't, uh, didn't have any luck. Um, we hunted a couple more days and just, just the weather was pretty bad. Uh, it was chilly. It was windy. Um, you can only hunt private property on Sunday. So we was limited on Sunday. Didn't we heard one gobbler gobble way off somewhere we couldn't hunt. And then, uh, so then Shane ended up leaving, I think Wednesday and, uh, so I never did get him one. I hunted the rest of the week, uh, you know, all morning long and every day, and didn't have any luck. Um, you know, this is ground I've hunted my whole life. You know, so I, I didn't even really work a bird per se. You know, get on a good goblin turkey and get on a good hunt per se the whole week, open week of season. Um, so then um west virginia came in monday so i bought my license and uh i'm not far from west virginia so i took my camper over there and um went on it monday tuesday wednesday uh i was three miles back up on a mountain before daylight open day west virginia season in a place where um i'd found a couple birds last year there's not you know there's not a lot of turkeys anywhere that I'm hunting in Virginia or West Virginia, but uh, I'm used to it, so it's not it's not now the norm for me. But uh, So I figured opening day, I figured there'd be people everywhere. I got up at 3.30 and started walking about 3.45. I actually, I, I, I rode my bike some and pushed it. I pushed it most of the way um, because, uh, you know, just some places it was too steep to pedal. I just pushed it because then later in the day, I knew that I could ride my, you know, coast three miles downhill my bicycle the whole way out of there and stop and call because all that ground I walked through um, in the dark, you know, I, if I'm on top, I can't hear, you can't hear halfway off there. So there's lots of ground. You know, I was figuring maybe there'd be other people down in there. And by the time I work my way, you know, maybe I kill one or by, maybe by the time I work my way back out of there, they done, people done killed one or but I think opening day, there ended up being nobody else hunting there at all but me. Um, but I didn't hear a single gobble. Uh, I made a big loop, big big walk hunt up in up in that country. Uh, saw some turkey sign, but never did get a gobble out. Nothing. Uh, it was kind of it was kind of breezy, so it was limited on what I could hear. So then, about mid morning, I started working my way back out of there because all of that ground. Uh, I saw some scratching in the dark. So I worked when I was working my way back out there, you know, coasting my bicycle downhill, which was, that was fun in itself was, you know, coast riding a bicycle downhill for three miles. But, um, I, I was stopping at turns before I'd get to the turns and call. And by that point, my expectations kind of got dropped, you know, gotten low. Um, uh, I was still grinding it out, but I wasn't really, didn't really expect to find anything. 
I stopped at this one spot and called, uh, and the gobbler answered. He was just right down over the bank. And so that's something I always try to do, whether I'm walk hunting or riding a bicycle or whatever. I always try to call before I skylight myself, before I walk up to a turn or to the top of a ridge. Um, you know, so I, I called before I got to the turn, and he was right over the bank. And this was right before 11 o'clock. That was the first gobble I heard all day, um, opening day, West Virginia season. It was right before 11 o'clock. And I, I think the reason why I got that turkey to gobble is that, like, my call, you know, I was right in his face. I was right on top of him. And he had two hens. And, uh, but I think, you know, since I was right on top of him and, you know, kind of cut, you know, jerked a gobble out of him. And so he didn't have any interest in me. I slipped up to the edge of the bank and got set up. Well, I kind of thought the gobble was on the next ridge. And then once I got set up, I looked down below me, and there he was strutting. And here I am thinking to myself, how did I get to this tree without the gobbler seeing me? Because the sound fooled me. I thought he was up on the next ridge. Well, he was down in the holler right below me. I guess just the way the sound come up out of that hole. Um, I thought he was on the next ridge. Um, so I'm sitting there thinking, how did he not see me? And I, his hands got fired up, and for a little bit, I thought his hands was going to come. They kind of came to me, but then they started fading away from me. So then uh, I really wanted to move then, but I couldn't because he, I could still see him, and I could still see see the hens. Some. I was really wanting to slip out of there, get away from him, get over the backside of the ridge, and loop around and get to, in the direction the hens was going because I started seeing him. Uh, he was kind of um, – hanging like 20 yards below him and so finally they got out of sight and i and i dropped over the ridge and i was trying to get in front of them and when i was doing that i seen the gobbler uh flicker of the gobbler so i stopped and um i it was a little too far uh if it would have been a, a perfectly open hole it, it was well in range but uh, there were some there were some little limbs and i just didn't you know I didn't, I wouldn't going to, I'm not going to pull the trigger unless it's, you know, hundred percent when it's out there, you know, 50 yards. So I didn't really want to kill him that way. Anyway, I was wanting to, to work a bird. Um, but, uh, I didn't pull the trigger and I was kind of in a bad spot. You know, I was moving through an open spot and, and the bird kind of caught me. So I had to kind of crouch down. I didn't really have nothing behind me. And um, he strutted and looked at me several times and didn't pay any attention to me. And then all of a sudden, he really keyed in on me, and he kind of stretched his neck up. And he didn't spook bad, but he, he bobbed his head kind of around the side of the ridge. I knew the game was over. Um, so, anyways, I made mental note of where he was. So then I rode my I went back to my bicycle, and I went on down probably another half a mile. And then I got two – it was two gobblers together. They gobbled one – they gobbled two times to me, and they was, like, real half-hearted. They weren't far from me. It was just, like, they didn't put their heart into it. Um, so I didn't know if they had hens or someone had messed with them or what that morning. Um, so I made mental note of them. And they was even closer to where I was camping. They was even, you know, further down the mountain. They was only about a mile up in there. And uh, so the next morning, I decided that I wasn't going to go all the way up the mountain. Uh, at daylight, I was going to kind of get in the middle. And instead of being all the way at the top, I was kind of going to get in the middle and try to put my ears on these turkeys at daylight. Well, daylight came, and it wasn't too bad of a morning at daylight. Well, a gobbler gobbled way up towards the top of the mountain one time. And I waited around uh, for quite a while 
um, it'd be the second morning of West Virginia season. I waited around for quite a while, waiting for hoping that these other. Actually, I did hear two Jake's gobble down low, and um, so I waited around a little bit. Nothing gobbled, and I said, "Well, I'll make my way up towards the top and um, see if I can get in the area of that gobbler gobbled that one time." So I ended up making my way all the way back to the top, hunted around in there for a while. Couldn't get nothing struck up, sat around and listened. Nothing got one on its own. So then I was like, well, I'm going to work my way back off the mountain and get down in the area of where I messed with these gobblers yesterday. So I'm, I'm going down the mountain, stopping and calling. And I stopped right before this one turn. And I think, it, I, I'm not sure what gobbler this was. So I stopped before this turn and call. And I wait, listen, kind of listening for a drum. Because many times, you know, I'd be walking along. And before I call, you know, I listen. And sometimes you'll hear a gobbler drumming. Um, and it'll be right on top of you. So sometimes, and I, so I didn't hear no drumming. I called, I listened, didn't hear nothing. So I started back to, to walking again. That morning, I didn't take my bicycle up. And so I go right around the turn, you know, about 50 yards, and then there, there, there takes off a gobbler and a couple hens flying. Of course, he didn't gobble to let me know he was there, so wasn't much I could do about it. That kind of bummed me out. So I worked my way on down, um, stopping and calling. I called, and then I went about 100, 125 yards. Well, then there was a turkey in a tree. It took off flying. It was in the tree. This was like um, 8.30 in the morning. Um. I'm not sure why that turkey was in a tree. So then uh, I go on down the mountain, <laughs> and I like say I just called, nothing gobbled to let me know it was there. So I walk on down. Well, I guess the turkey seen me or heard me coming. Well, it actually I've seen them you know many times they suck real suck down real tight to the ground, get real flat to the ground, and try to hide. And I and the turkey was like ten steps from me. I didn't even see it till it flew. I mean they can hide good. It's hard, it's kind of queer weird to think about. You think about it, you know. If the turkey would have just waited just a couple more seconds, you know, I'd have been by it and still would have been walking down the road. I wouldn't even have known it was there. But it flushed and flew straight away from me, but I couldn't tell what it was. I don't know if it was a gobbler or a hen. I just could not tell by the feathers. And I could, usually when they fly sideways, you know, you can see their head good. You can see that old gobbler head, but I couldn't get a good I don't know what that turkey was. But if it was a gobbler, it didn't gobble and let me know he was there. So what much I could do about it then. So I worked my way on down. And I was thinking about this fresh scratching I'd seen uh, walking up through walking up through there in the dark. I knew it was from the day before. So I was thinking about that. It was kind of breezy. And I got down there and um, I called and I thought I heard this muffled sound out of place. And I was like, what was that? So I was standing there and then I heard it. And then I heard it again. It was just this faint, muffled sound. And I was hearing it. And it was kind of down in a hole. And there was a little bit of a breeze. And I heard it again. I was like, hey, that's a gobbler goblin somewhere. And I couldn't figure out where it was at first. You know, it took me 30 seconds, a minute to figure out which direction. And once I got a bearing on the, which, the direction it was, I didn't walk but about 30, 40 yards in that direction. And then I could hear it a lot better. So I was like, and, you know, he was hammering. He was... uh gobbling on his own I, I was like man this that was like the hottest bird i found in virginia or west virginia you know to date and uh i was saying okay i got you know I'm, I'm on to something here so once i figured out where the bird was i slipped around on the ridge and this this little finger ridge run right off to him 
and I he was gobbling on his own. So he it let me get set up exactly where I wanted to get. I got about I probably wasn't 125 yards from him or so, and I got set up right right above him and where I couldn't see but about 35 yards. So then when he if he came up in there when he showed himself he'd be in range. And in my first call, he cut me off. He was actually double goblin, you know, gobbling himself out of breath. And he came up through there pretty textbook and steady and strutted right up through there. And I shot him 32 steps. Um, so that was second day of West Virginia season. Third day I hunted, Wednesday, um, which was yesterday. I didn't, he- I didn't hear a gobble yesterday. I hunted up in the same place the next morning, didn't hear nothing. I come out of there and I went and actually got on the road and drove to a couple of new places I've been wanting to check out and didn't have any luck there. And then it was quitting time. So um, then I came back home, uh, went out last night trying to roost gobblers. It was actually a really pretty even last night. Um, it was dead still, dead silent, probably the stillest day we've had since Virginia season came in. And it was a. Uh, I have been having luck roosting gobblers in uh, opening week. Is evenings that I would not even think I could get a gobbler to gobble evenings, and was having luck getting you know gobblers to gobble and roost them. And yesterday evening it was beautiful and could hear lots of ground and uh, hooted owls hollering and everything else and didn't hear nothing. Um, so this morning I went into this place about nine thirty, and. Um, I worked my, I made a, I pushed my, I actually couldn't ride my bicycle. Uh, it was steep, but I'll, I'll push my bicycle in the places uphill. Like if it's a, a government access road, I'll push it up in there because it's not, it's not a big burden to push it. Like I just hold the seat with my right hand and kind of balance it beside me as I walk. And so it's not really a big burden to do that. So then when I come out of there, I can coast it downhill out and cover, you know, maybe, Maybe I'll go up in there and don't have any luck, and then I want to get out of there quick and get because you know we got noon shutoff. So even if it even if I don't find a gobbler, or maybe I hear a gobbler gobbling, you know, way off, you know, on the next mountain or something. So instead of trying to walk out of there fast, you know, I got my bicycle and I can hop on it and at least and I can rock and roll out of there and get back to my truck faster and get to another place faster. So it gives me. Uh, so even if I can't. Even if it's not, you know, I'm, I can't pedal a bicycle up real steep grade. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a, a athlete by no means, but I'm in pretty decent shape. But once it gets so so steep, you know, it's just easier for me to just get off and push it. But anyways, long story short, I pushed my bike up in there. It was about a mile, and uh, I made a little hunt. It was it was kind of a overcasty morning rain rain was supposed to be coming today I, I thought it was going to be raining by then but it didn't start raining until about 12 12 30 somewhere between 12 and and one it started right around 12 30 but um i made a loop in there and just prospecting i had scouted it before season and there was quite a bit of sign uh but it was old sign it was like done in the winter uh you know like two or three months ago but there was lots of sign in there and uh, hadn't heard a gobble. And the leaves were so dry and so loud that I would stop and call every 75 or 100 yards. 
kind of like the same principle of um of hunting in high winds you're going to stop and call more frequently because you can't hear and they can't hear you or maybe they can't hear you and they're gobbling you don't even hear them so you know i call every 50 yards or so when it's high winds so i was kind of doing the same thing with the leaves being so loud i wanted them to gobble before i got close to them so you know i hear their gobble because i could hear good today so it's kind of same principle was hunting in high winds i was trying to get them to gobble off in a distance so i'd know where they were and that way i could approach make my approach into them better with the loud crunchy leaves and being so calm and quiet so i i said i went in there and blind called and did well just kind of sat down and relaxed and just chilled out for a while didn't hear anything so then i, I started making a, a loop uh, through some flats and I was just going to make a hunt and make, you know, make work my way back to my bicycle by noon shut off and then ride back to my truck and call it a day. Well, it was like 1120 around 1125. I stopped and called and nothing. And I didn't call real loud, just a normal, you know, medium volume yelp and a couple of times and nothing. So I come in on my box call real hard. I cut, come down on it real loud and cut. And a gobbler got answered me today. This is to gobbler today in Virginia. And um, he, I called a couple more times. He wouldn't answer me. So I thought at that point, I was thinking maybe he just give me a courtesy gobble. He might have some hens. Maybe I just jerked a courtesy gobble out of him. So then I got real loud with it again, aggressive. And he gobbled again. And he, he put a lot of heart into it. Uh, you know, it was a pretty... Uh, he, I could tell that he put he put a lot of emphasis in his gobble. He's gobbling hard, but he wouldn't gobble to me every time I called. So I was still trying to feel his temperature out. So I started, I slipped, and I was kind of in laurel. I was in a, like a little laurel thicket, and it wasn't a real good place to set up. So I kind of eased towards him some. He wasn't real far away. He probably wasn't no more than 150 yards from me. So I eased up, and I could see this little opening. I mean, it wasn't open, but as far as being in the floor, it was an open spot. And he, you know, it was kind of, if I'm looking up the mountain, it's 12 o'clock. The bird's kind of at 1 o'clock, and this little open spot is kind of at 2.30, about 2 o'clock. And so I I called, and once I got set up, the bird answered. He gobbled four times, I think, total uh, during the hunt. It wasn't very long, 10, 15-minute hunt. But then I could tell that he moved closer to me, and then, then I could hear his drum. I was like, okay, this bird's coming in. I'm on to something here. Well, I was kind of in this straight laurel, and the bird's kind of straight above me, and I didn't want this bird to come down through this thick stuff at me because, like, by the time I was worried that he'd get so close to me that he would, you know, it was just going to be a bad ordeal. So this, this little open spot to my... You know, if I'm looking up at the birds, 12 o'clock, it was kind of about 2 o'clock. I turned my head and put my, mouth, my my hand over my call, and I threw my call towards that open spot. And it's surprising how good you can steer um, turkeys by throwing your call. Because the next time that gobbler got drummed, I could tell it faded to the right towards this little open spot. That's where I wanted him to come. I wanted him to come in this open spot. And then I heard his drum come and come more, and it was, and I was like, I, I didn't. Act, once his drum started coming towards in that direction of that open spot, I didn't call anymore. So I just left my gun there, 
and I just listened to his drum coming, and he came in pretty, you know, pretty much no holes, you know, nice, you know, nice and steady, and came right into that that, that hole, and I shot him about thirty five yards. Awesome, dude. So that's cool. And I don't know one thing that we've talked about with you before is, uh, you know, how much you know you. I think you, you the term you use is turn your whole body into an ear and listen for those subtle things that can make or break a hunt and, and you know, help right. you get opportunities at animals. And, you know, you do that really well, especially talking about, you know, how you've tuned your ears to be able to listen for drumming. And I know, you know, some guys like myself, you know, I struggle to hear it. I've heard it a few times, but, I mean, they have to be stupid close, like sub 15 yards for me to hear it. Uh, yeah. Where I know you were talking about, I think you, you've talked about, you know, you can hear it, you know, 80, 90 yards away in some situations if it's, you know, calm. Um, oh, farther, farther than that. I mean, if it's real good conditions and depending on what kind of the, the topography, the, the terrain's like and what the foliage is like, I know I've heard drums, you know, you know, over 200 yards before. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it comes down to really just like, you know, that the person themselves and how well your ears tune for that. And I think yeah. some people just can't hear that frequency because it's a frequency that I don't think most humans can pick up on. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a frequency thing. Some people just can't hear it. I think some people that's just getting in a turkey hunt uh, just don't know what they're listening for at first. Um, and, you know, cause I've been around people that said they couldn't hear it, but once they heard it one good time and knew what they were listening for, they got better, better at hearing it. Mm-hmm. And then they, um, but yeah, well, uh, it's, 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 it's a huge, 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 um, advantage to, as a turkey hunter to be able to hear that drum because, I, I mean, if I sit here, I mean, I don't know how I could sit and thank it back, but just I'm trying to so many turkeys, if it wasn't for being able to hear that drum, you know, because they're not always coming in goblin, you know, even if he's by himself and lonely and, and he could be hot, but he just he, just because he's hot doesn't mean they're always going to gobble breast for breast. You know, they might, they might come like that gobbler today. He pretty much came in uh, nice and steady. You know, just a nice steady pace with pretty much no holdups. But, um, you know, he wasn't gobbling. Even though he was alone and looking, he wasn't gobbling every time I called to let me know where he was at. You know, it was, he only gobbled like I think four times. But he drummed. He was strutting and drumming, you know, all the way in there. So I could follow him uh, with his drum. Um, but yeah, go ahead. What was you, what was you, where was you going with that? No, well, you know, something that you've talked about uh, that I think a lot of people have probably picked up on so far during this interview is you use a mountain bike a lot uh, with your style of hunting. I, mean, I know you use it in Alabama. You use it pretty much, I guess, anywhere where you can, you know, have a decent place to ride a bike. And well, like, I just... I keep it. I keep it locked up on my truck. You know, it's, if a thief wants something, you know, if a thief wants something, there ain't no lock or chain going to keep it. They're going to get it if they want it bad enough. But I keep it on my truck because I never know. I might not use it for two weeks. I might not use it for three weeks. But I might end up somewhere. I'm like, hey, this would be a good place to use my mountain bike. You know, then I then I have it. But it's. Uh, I I just got it a couple years ago. I bought it secondhand from somebody for a pretty good price, like seventy five bucks. I don't think it was no crazy expensive um, luxury uh, deluxe mountain bike. You know, I think probably new. It, it, I'm guessing it might have been like 150 or between 150 and 300 dollars, somewhere in that range. I'm not sure. But the guy had thought he was going to use it or something, end up not using it. But he'd already spray painted it and stuff. And I got it on a good deal from the guy. I think like 75 or 100 bucks. And um, 
so yeah, I just got into you know to using one uh, you know a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, where was you going with it? I'm sorry. Well, I just think it's really effective for anyone hunting public land, especially in a place that there are logging roads, there's access points that you can walk a long ways, but if you have a bike, you can move so much quicker. And I noticed that after Andrew started using a bike this year for deer hunting, I mean, even in places that, you know, we're only going, you know, half a mile or three quarters of a mile, doing it on a bike and be able to cover that ground in a matter of just a couple, I mean, just like a, a minute or two. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're talking about walking a mile, you know, it takes you about, if you're not stopping and calling just steady walking, you know, it takes, you know, you know, like fit around 15 minutes or something, 13, 15 minutes or something to walk a mile. If you're not, you know, you can do it faster. I'm not saying it can't be, can't be done faster. You can certainly huff it a lot faster. But if you're just a nice steady pace, you know, it'd take you 13, 15 minutes to walk a mile of a bicycle. You can, you know, if it's a, like, if it's a flat grade or, or if it's a, maybe you're going in somewhere, it's a downhill grade. I mean, you can be there in just like, you know, a minute or two, you know, a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's cool. Again, I think it's a really cool thing for, uh, you know, a way to get in for access and everything else like that, which is, which is slick. Um, now a question I've got for you as well, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, you're talking about like calling and like, you know, ca- calling as you're walking, covering ground so you can kind of, you know, be efficient with that. What calls do you like to do while you're c- trying to cover ground? Are you just doing some simple yelps? Are you cutting? Are you changing it up? You know, what's that like? Because, uh, you know, you talk about calling and striking birds up, but what calls are you trying to make? Um, it's just like a, I, I, I use my box call a lot. I use a wing, wing bone a lot. I mean, I use, I use, pot calls a lot uh sometimes i'll i'll use every call before it just depends what kind of mood i'm in i mean some days you know i might get lack of that i might just call my mouth call or a pot call one a couple times and i'll move on uh it just depends on where i'm hunting what kind of, you know, how much ground i'm covering uh but some some days i'll try a little bit of everything before i move on and start covering ground again because many times i've seen gobblers not answer um something that you think is your bread and butter that you know if i make this call nothing gobbles at it nothing's there it, you know there might be a gobbler there but they just ain't gobbling i'm going you know move on you know there's been many times where i thought you know that was my bread and butter call and then i you know i hit my wing bone <clears throat> or my pot call or or however order i started it you know then they hammer at you know the wing you know they cut the wing bone off or maybe i tried the wing bone first or what you know i'm trying to say mm-hmm uh, I've just like a different frequency or sound or something. Um, but I'll try lots, lots, you know, I try to start out with a simple yelp, but you know, a couple of times, not real loud in case something's close. And then nothing got was that, you know, then I, I'm not afraid to be aggressive. You know, I, I'll come down on the box call real hard and cut and cackle. Um, a cackle, I do a cackle a lot and it, it's good at jerking gobbles out of the turkey. Um, you know, cut, cutting's kind of like pop, pop. Pop, 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 you know, but a cackle, it's just like a fly on cackle, or have you ever heard like a, a turkey spook, sometimes they'll cackle when they take off or, or whatnot, um, but I just, you know, real fast and sharp and cut it off real fast because you don't want to drag it out because if something answers you way off, you can't hear it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, just pat, 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 and stop. And uh, I have a lot of luck with cackling, getting 
jerking gobbles out of and cackling on a box call, getting gobblers to um, jerk, jerk. That gobbler today, he didn't answer me on the first couple series of calls. Like, I was getting ready to take off walking again. You know, I, I made a couple simple yelps, and he didn't hit on it. I didn't know the gobbler was, you know, I didn't know the gobbler was 150 yards from me, but I was hunting like, you know, there might be. But, you know, I made a couple simple, simple yelps on my box. He didn't answer. So then I just started doing what I call, um, well, actually, I have a couple, I don't, I think this call is conditioned. I just call pot call in here. But I'll, it's like continuous cut, like popcorn cutting, or might be able to be called just like, I call it up down, like pop 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 you know high low high low and i've done that many you know many times over the years like and like just keep doing it like for 30 seconds a minute a minute and a half keep doing it like it's like it it's like you can envision the gobbler's head changing colors and filling up and he's like building up and building up and building up and he'll finally you know he'll finally let it out and it's you know i just Notice, you know, I'm pausing for a little bit. Of course, it's realistic for one. You know, the hens will do that. Pop, 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 pop. So it's realistic for one, but it allows you to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if he gobbles in the middle of that sequence, because of the the slight pauses, you should be able to pick up on the beginning or ending of that gobble. Right. So I was kind of doing that with my box call. I was. This is a pot call. It's just laying around here. It's not real conditioned very well, but. And I, I think I've I done that about 15 seconds before he gobbled. And it, you know, it really caught me by surprise. You know, oh, you know, I, you know, I was kind of at the point in the day where, you know, my expectations weren't, you know, sky high. You know, I kind of thought I was going you know, it's going to be a, it's a possibility I could get on one, but it just felt like nothing was going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he gobbled, you know, it really caught me off guard, but I have success with doing that and I'll do it for 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half, just like keep doing it. Cause there's been times when I thought, you know, okay, that's enough. And about that time, you know, I might've been doing it 45 seconds, a minute, you know, 60 seconds. And then the gobbler gobbled and then I'll, and then he'll get fired up and you kill him. Um, sometimes, you know, it'd just be a courtesy gobble, but, uh, even, even if you can jerk courtesy gobbles out of gobblers, it's, uh, and, you know, priceless information, you know, where that gobbler, you know, there's a gobbler there. Um, yeah, well, so on. when you, when you work your way back in through there the next day or something, you know, well, you know, they can, turkeys move around a lot, but they kind of have a little home range you know a little sweet spot you know the the, the the in the mountains they could if they get a hen and she's walking along feeding you never know where they're going to end up but until a goober you know he can they'll have a little home body spot um so you, you know you've, i've kept tabs on a gobbler for a couple weeks you know through season and he have hens and you know i just leave him and a couple years ago done that with my father-in-law there was two gobblers on a mountain about a mile apart I hunted them a couple times, and my dad, even my dad, hunted them a couple times, and they always had hens. And it's not that hinned up gobblers aren't killable; it's just there wasn't much you could do with these turkeys. The terrain and where they hung out, you just 
it just wasn't much you could do with them. You know, I mean, if we could sneak in there and kill them or something, we would have, but there was just, there wasn't much we could do with these turkeys. So I'd check on them. They'd gobble like one time. And I kept tabs on them and I took my father-in-law through there one time. And, you know, it was like third, fourth week of season and stopped and checked on the one. And he, he got fired up and I called that guy where my father-in-law, he killed him. I said, you know, we high five and took some pictures. I said, well, you know, kind of jokingly, you know, saying, well, maybe we'll go around here. This other one I've been keeping tabs on, maybe he'll be fired up today. Well, we went around there, you know, it was a mile around the mountain and went around there and first call, he caught me off. You know, he's like 150 yards away and got set up and you killed that gobbler in like five or 10 minutes. So, um, it's a matter of just, you know, because I knew where those gobblers were and and was able to keep tabs and other people probably hunted those turkeys too. I'm sure they did. Uh, just, we happened to catch them on the right day. Now that's kind of, as a wrap up for your part of this strut report and really it's almost like, I'm almost going to call this like a bonus episode because uh, we've gone right. really in depth with some of this stuff, which is, which is good because we don't get this normally on a short report, which is nice. So, you know, what is kind of a final tip you'd give the listeners or something, maybe again, that's been working for you this season it's worked for you in the past that maybe they can implement, uh, you know, at this time of the year, this time of the season throughout the country. Well, I mean, I've killed a couple gobblers, but I mean, the one was just based off of knowing what he'd done a couple times in a row and taking advantage of that. Uh, if I, Well, I guess this time of the year, if you can get in, know where Gobbler's spending time and get in there with him, you know, I've heard him, he might only gobble once or twice at daylight, but he's gobbling at the same place and he's using the same tree, roosting in the same spot. You can slip in there and get tight and... Um, gobblers like that i might not call a lot to like if i know where he's flying down and what direction he's going to i kind of get in there and just kind of hang out but um cover i mean it's just <laughs> i mean I, i've had some success but it's it ain't really no perfect answer to i mean uh, it looks like i'm burning the world up but i'm putting in a lot of work uh you know I've been on vacation and then my, you know, I went, in my, went into my long breaks. So I've had a lot of time to hunt and I've been hunting hard. And that's just a matter of putting the time in. So, you know, it's an uphill battle for people that's weekend warriors. So I've been there before. Uh, you know, you work Monday through Friday, don't have no vacation. You work, you know, hunt Saturday and Sunday when everybody else is in the woods hunting and you feel rushed because you only have two days to hunt and your season's only a couple weeks long. So they don't give you but eight or 10 days to hunt. So it's like, you you're rushing to make trying to make something happen and you and when I you know when I was in situations like that I I probably messed up more stuff than I had success because I was felt like I was in such a rush to try to find a gobbler and you know and get on one um when I when you have time like this not everybody has the time so I've had the you got to have time and luck I've had that to where I can take my time and hunt through a place slow um I mean, I now cover ground. Uh, I cover ground and try to find a gobbler. But as I get older, I'm not old. I'm 30, but I've matured a lot over the last five years or so. Um, I'll commit to an area and take my time and work through there slow, especially if I know there's a couple turkeys in the area. You know, they. Um, I kill more turkeys after nine o'clock. You know, nine o'clock on. I have more luck, you know, nine, between nine and lunchtime right in there. And, you know, because I'm talking about places, you know, that have a noon shutoff. If you can hunt all day, 
you know, that, that could be all the way to, you know, half hour before flyout. But, you know, if you're the place where you got a noon or one o'clock shutoff, nine o'clock to shutdown time, uh, like today, didn't hear a gobble when I killed that gobble at 1137. It's 23 minutes to shutdown time. Um, I guess trying to, I know you're trying to get me to wrap it up, but there's no real good way to say it. Um, just keep after it. <laughs> there's no real good answer. Just keep, I just can tell my buddies, you know, just keep grinding, keep, keep trying. Um, if you hunt hard enough, um, eventually something will go your way. Um, just stay after it. Awesome. Well, Devin, man, I appreciate you coming on for this week's episode and kind of giving us a pretty uh, in-depth look on what's going on with you and kind of what's working right now. And there's a lot of tips that I think you covered today that I think a lot of guys are going to get a lot out of. Um, but, man, good luck the rest of your season. Uh, I don't know what other states you're going to, but I know you probably have a pretty busy spring and everything else going on. But, again, we appreciate you coming on for this week's episode. Yeah, man, thanks. I hope it helps someone somewhere. I appreciate you having me. All right, guys, and last on the line, we got our buddy Cy Colley coming on from Alabama. Cy, how are you doing, dude? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? Doing, doing well. I know uh, you've been having a, a, a really good season versus, you know, kind of, I know last season or so has been kind of rough, but, dude, you've been making a turnaround for this year and having a good time with it with you and your buddies. I know you all have killed quite a few birds, um, which is going to give us a really cool strut report because you all been getting out in the woods a fair amount. Um, but kind of for Alabama, we're kind of at a point in the season where, now, I think this is the last strut report of the season. Uh, season goes out May 3rd, I believe. Uh, yep. May, May 3rd or May 4th. I can't remember. I haven't been hunting, so I can't tell you. Um, but anyway, um, you know, this is going to be kind of make and break it for anyone hunting in Alabama. But, dude, I know y'all have had a pretty good season. Give me a little rundown of uh, kind of some of the action y'all have been getting on you and your buddies uh, over the last few weeks since season came in because I know it's been it's been pretty hectic for you guys. Um, yeah, the, like the first, which, yeah, the first week I killed four, so it was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty, I don't know, I wasn't, I, I wanted to make up for last year, but I didn't think it was going to be that quick, and, uh, so we, uh, started out open in the morning, I killed one probably, might have been one of the first few in the state killed that day, because, I mean, it was, like 6:45 when I shot him, and then uh, turned around. I killed one in the afternoon after work. Um, then that next Saturday, I went and killed one of the biggest turkeys I ever killed in my life. Killed a killed a bird that weighed 23 pounds, had a 11 and a half inch beard, inch and a half spurs. And then the next day, went with a buddy of mine, and um, we doubled. Um, and then. I've called one, one, two, I think three up after that, and then I called one up for youth season. So, um, but it's been it's been fun. It's uh, some new stuff. I'd never killed one in the afternoon, and I, I killed one. Actually, yeah, I killed one in the afternoon, and then I called one up for a buddy of mine last Friday in the afternoon. So, and that was kind of, that was kind of one of my things I want to do this year was either kill one on public land or kill one in the afternoon so which i guess i still got a little bit of time i'm making get on some public land birds but 
it's, it's hard to get me off these private ones, boy. We can go and know where they're at every day. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. When you got a good piece of private, uh, it's it's worth keep going back for it. But that, that's awesome. So y'all have had a crazy season so far, and uh, uh, you know, just a lot of luck. I know again, you and your group of guys have been really successful so far, but. You know, over the last week and a half or so, you know, I don't know how many times you've been able to get out, but when y'all have been getting out, you know, how's the gobbling activity been like over this last week or so? Um, it, it's it's been pretty good. Uh, um, let's see, it wasn't this past Saturday, Saturday before me and a uh, buddy of mine, Justin Chavers, we uh we went down to his place and um and and hunted, and there was uh. We got on some birds first thing that morning. They were hinned up, and, and which was crazy because we hadn't been seeing a whole bunch of hens or turkeys with hens this year. The fact the only time there was hens in the equation for me was opening morning. There was uh, the gobbler all of a sudden had some hens just past him, and I actually ended up gobbling him in. Um, was what what happened with that? But anyways, so that morning we went. They they gobbled really really good. Um, but they just, they wouldn't hardly gobble at me. Now, when his hands started going, he would, he'd get, he'd get fired up, gobble at them. Well, so we left, we left those birds and we went and found some more. And it was like nine o'clock by this time. And these turkeys gobbled really, really good. Um, especially that late in the morning. And then, um, we've hunted in the afternoons. Um, and, uh, Last Thursday, we got on a bird, and he probably gobbled three or, or excuse me, three about thirty to forty times, and uh, I mean, cut he 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 cut three hundred yards like it wasn't nothing, and got all up on us. And my buddy could see him, and he wouldn't. He there was cows in the field. He didn't really want to come into the field, but he was trying to circle around us to get in the field. And then the the farmer showed up on a Polaris um, trying to herd cows and run him off. So I said, well, he'll be back tomorrow. And luckily, they moved the cows from that pasture to another. So that bird was actually hanging out in that pasture when we struck him and called him from the pasture into the woods to us. And he gobbled probably, I don't know, probably 30 times that afternoon. And um, when I quit calling, he started triple gobbling. I mean, he was just... He's hot and fired up. And what it was was the the hens around there aren't paying him any attention. We ran into probably four or five hens uh, that were that weren't together that were uh, when we were trying to kind of make a move on him from what we saw him do yesterday or the day before, excuse me. And uh, so that's what it was. They weren't they weren't paying him no attention. And he was just hot and ready, which I think a lot of them. A lot of them in Alabama are right now. There's a few of them that are still hand up and all, but um, for the most part, usually right now, if you call to him you and he gobbles, you better just sit there because he's going to end up coming. We learned that last Friday, or, or excuse me, this mon- Monday, this week, uh, me and a buddy got on a bird and struck him and made him gobble, so we started making a move on him and got up close to where we thought he was and he didn't say nothing and then, Finally, we got him to gobble and notice he he was gobbling where we were just standing at maybe, you know, 30 minutes before trying to get him. And he ended up actually coming around trying to come to us, but he came to where we parked the truck at and saw the truck and messed it up. But if we'd have just 
sat right there where we when we first heard him gobble we'd have killed him so they're uh they're they're ready to say the least if you can get him to gobble right now you'll probably kill him yeah i was wondering about with alabama's season how uh the state you know we started a week late and we're going a week longer uh roughly give or take not really but um how the last you know four or five days of the season are going to be you know kind of hunting into may uh, and see how that changes for people because i'm kind of you know whether or not i can get out or not we'll see but i think you know andrew's beginning out he just missed a missed a bird at 25 yards on some national forest a few days ago and uh but I, I'm thinking the birds are going to get hot again. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they're gobbled out and all that kind of crap. But, um, that, yeah, so they don't do that. Yeah. I was going to say, I've, I've heard we were having a camping trip a couple about two years ago, uh, first uh, week in June in Kentucky. And, dude, there was a bird. I mean, this he was the ultimate alarm, uh, you know, wake up alarm uh, for that morning because, I mean, he was just burning it up on the roost. Then got down, and he was probably about 200 yards from us, got down off the tree and uh, just kept burning up the whole morning. I was like, man, they're going to gobble whenever they want, however they want. But, um, yeah, but I'm just kind of excited to see, you know, what guys have look-wise at the last few days of the season uh, down here in Alabama. But one thing you said that I want to touch on, which was kind of cool because I didn't know this about you until last, I think it was last year, whenever we came down to – uh, film that wounded warrior um, hunt with you guys, um, but uh, what was it? Your gobbling tube, that Hank's gobbling tube or whatever it is. Yeah, you don't have that thing on you, do you, by any chance? Oh yeah, I'm in my truck. No, I, was, I, was, I, won't, I won't make you go out there and get it, but that thing is, cr- I mean, it's awesome. And that was, I think, it's right, it's right here. Okay, awesome. Well, you start, so you showed us that early last season. And me and Andrew started implementing gobbling more and more, even on public land, dude, uh, to call birds in and actually have had, you know, a fair amount of success getting birds to come in uh, when other times they wouldn't. And just adding more realism now. Then again, on public land, we, Andrew, a couple of episodes ago, talked about how this, we don't recommend it on public land. We're not going to uh, say you ought to try it. But, you know, do what you want. But I know you've had a lot of success gobbling birds in. <clears throat> Yes, uh, and it's it's not a surefire plan by no means because you you've uh, you can gobble at the wrong turkey, and by by that I mean you can gobble at a bird that's a subordinate bird, and once he hears that, he'll shy away from it and and not want to have anything to do with you, you know, um, and and kind of you know be scared of it just like when you know they'll see a, a gobbler decoy and not every single one of them is going to come in and and try to fight you so you you gobble at them it could it could totally shut your hut that hunt down but if you get the right one it could be one of the few things that'll that'll actually kill him well walk us through i want you to kind of walk us through that first hunt the first bird of the year and how you gobble that bird in even though he had hens on the other side of you which is a scenario i think a lot of people have had multiple times in their you know turkey hunting career where you know you set up on the some people would think the wrong side of the gobbler because the hens were opposite side of you but you know kind of walk us through how were you able to kill that bird and get him to come towards you instead of going towards his hens well and and it was kind of it's kind of funny how the whole hunt happened because we went in there the afternoon before trying to trying to roost him and he wouldn't go on an owl. Um, we 
tried that. I even tried doing a, I guess what you call a fly up cackle. Um, he wouldn't gobble it. it. And uh, so what I, what we did was we were, were just kind of sat there and listened and we heard, we could hear wings flapping. And uh, I said, well, that's a, I said, that's a bird flying up and it just sounds like one bird. I said, we don't know for sure whether it's a, whether it's a gobble or not, but um, it, you know, if I was a bet man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to, that's going to be one. I said, so we at least know there's turkey here. So we come back the next morning and who did and who did nothing. And uh, so, well, let's just go to where we heard that bird fly up. I said, we'll just sit down and go calling. And uh, we sat down and I did a little, did a little putt putt and then a little tree yelp and he gobbled. And I said, okay. And it was right there where we'd heard the wings. I said, okay. So, uh, and like I said, it went down and what it does, it, we were on a, we were in a pine plantation on a road, um, on edge of road and it went down into this hardwood bottom, a little creek, and then it went back up a hill into some pines, but he was roosted in the hardwoods. So I get to call into him and these hens start up and they're starting, you know, they're starting to get a little aggressive and, and, you know, get loud. And so I started matching them. I mean, we were we were going back and forth it almost sounded like that um episode on the penhody project with uh chubbs and uh dave when they were in alabama that time and those there were turkeys everywhere going and i mean we we're just like i said we we're going back and forth i was just matching them and getting a little bit more um raspy with my calling and all well the bird flies down and he starts going towards them and I'd already in my mind when, when they started up, I was thinking, well, it's not good. He, they're on the other side of us. You know, a lot of times he's going to go to the real thing. Well, the only thing I can think of was let's gobble at him a couple of times. So I gobble at him. And the next time he gobbled, he was 30 yards closer to us. And you could start, you could hear it in his chest. And you turn, you tell he turned completely around. And then he never said another word. It comes straight up to us. But, that's the only thing I can think of because he was, he was moving away. He he had already, he had already crossed the creek that was in the in the bottom down there. He was going away from us, and like I said, I started gobbling. It wasn't just like that. It was like you just flipped a switch and he come in there and he was mad. Uh, which we only heard one of the bird gobble that morning, and once this one kept gobbling, that other one shut up. So evidently he he ruled the roost around there, and once. He found out somebody else was in his territory and making all that kind of racket. He he had to come figure it out and see what was going on. So let me ask you this. Well, do you have that call by any chance right with you? Yeah, I've got it. So so what's the name of that call again? Because they don't make them anymore, right? They don't. You can look up. You can find them on eBay. It's called the Haint, H-A-I-N-T. Um, and uh, they've got some that are, that are completely wood. Um, they've got some that are the kind of called uh, acrylic or plastic, whatever it is. Um, they've got those, and you can look up and find them on eBay. Um, I I got lucky; I found mine for like twenty five bucks, and then I bought another one for a guy for like the wooden one. I think I paid almost forty for it, but now they're on there for about seventy or eighty dollars. Um, but it's just a 
just a one solid two and uh it's kind of it's probably one of the hardest calls i've ever learned to do um there's a lot of people that can't do them there's there's probably a lot of people out there you could about get them from for free because they don't know how to use them um but they're i mean it's probably the most realistic gobble call i've ever heard and uh it, it's something that you can like i said you can sit there and call them up with or something that you can strike a bird that you know you hadn't necessarily got to hadn't been able to get to gobble it's something that can get them to gobble um so let me ask you this uh what is the is the call kind of like a like what you do if you were like duck hunting for like a doing a feed sound or what do you have to do to make that sound with that call yeah you can it's almost like doing a uh pretty much like doing a a a feeding mallard call i guess um just kind of doing your kind of like you're doing like a machine like a machine gun noise um with your tongue and then a lot of it's um shaking it and, and the way you do your hands um that's kind of how you get the 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 end sound on it um and which is kind of important with it because you can sit there and do that all day but you've got to do you know you got to kind of shake it and then cut your hands at the end um in which once you get a hold to one and learn how to do it it's it, you'll kind of teach yourself but it's uh I don't know. It's a it's a real you 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 just gotta you gotta learn to do it. It's something that's not not easy by any means. Well, here put put your phone down if you don't mind it, and do a couple for us. If it, it's gonna wake anybody up now, if it's gonna wake people up, don't worry about it. But I know a lot of people are probably kind of interested in hearing it. Oh no, so I'm out in my truck. Sass in his bed sleep. Which when I gobble at him, all he does is laugh. He loves it. So <laughs> he he may be just as hooked as I am. But I'll do it real quick. Which I don't know if you picked that up. Gonna I might have bust your speakers. No, no, I was gonna say it looked good. It looked good on the sound wave, so and it sounded good. Um no, I remember when you did that when we were at that at that uh, that cabin, whatever and you did it a few times. I was like, "Holy crap!" Because I mean, we've gobbled, we gobble on box calls, me and Andrew, and um, Andrew's getting pretty good with it. Uh, but it still doesn't have that same tone as your Hank call does. I mean, not even close. I mean, it has like the choppiness of it, but you know, and at a distance, it sounds okay. You know, up close, it doesn't sound super great. But I mean, your call sounds. I mean pretty much like the freaking real thing uh especially when you you know you put a little distance between you and the caller or the caller and you know whoever else um but yeah that's that's pretty slick and using again gobbling uh to not only locate birds but also call birds in in certain situations so that's that's awesome dude um i've got to ask you how long have you been doing that and how'd you learn about kind of calling for uh you know as as another way or, or gobbling as another way to locate turkeys but also call them in We'd, uh, my dad always did the same thing. Had a lynch box call with a, um, with a rubber band on it. And we've, we struck birds like that. I can tell you, we, you know, get one of us to, you know, be, be get down on a, on a, on a mouth call or, or with a, you know, slate or, or another box, something like that. And then followed up like that. And, and 
you know, not only strike birds like that, but call them men too. Um, it was just something he, you know, kind of showed me years ago. And then along came the Hank, and I finally had a buddy of mine that had one. And and then I, I bought one and had it about a year and tried and tried and tried and couldn't figure it out. And it was just one turkey season. It was, it, it was bothering me trying to figure out how to use this thing. And finally, I remember I was at, I was at work and I kept just trying to make that noise, make the noise. And then finally I figured I had a like that with my tongue. And I said, that may be it there. Um, cause they, they really kind of tell you how to, how, how you flutter your tongue when you purr with a mouth call is another way to do it. Um, which I can't, I can't do that worth the, worth the flip. I can't purr on a mouth call at all. But, um, so I did it and then I went home and for like two weeks kept trying, kept trying. And I was, I was getting there and getting there. Um, and I remember my wife was ready to kill me cause it was, it was every day. I was, I was trying to figure this out. And then finally I got it and it was like we all, me, her, and the dog went, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. And then once I figured it out, though, it was like, oh, I've got to do it every day. <laughs> um, but, and then, and then you get it in the woods and I, there's been, there's been a ton of times where I've, uh, I've got on a bird and gobble at him and he gobble back and I gobble back and we just, you know, go back and forth and it'll just, oh man, it, it, it'll get you going. But they, uh, so, some of them can't stand it. They got to come figure it out. And then like I said, other ones think, oh no, I need to get out of here. And it'll, you know, it'll run them off. But I don't know. It's all according on, on which bird you get on which day for sure. Well, hey, what, what tactics have been working for you guys so far this season? Um, this year it's just, I, I just think it's a lot of it's been, I guess being in the right place at the right time, um, I, I, you know, as much as I want to say it's been skill and something that I'm doing right, I think a lot of it's just been laying the look and um, a, a bunch of it's just been pretty pretty much know, knowing when to call and kind of knowing when to shut up. And then other times it's you you can't say enough, can't or can't say too much. Because they're just, you know, they're they're coming regardless. Um, of course, you know, we our main thing is strike a bird, try to get in there to him and get 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 kind of close on him and and sit down. Which you know, a bunch of times this year, but hadn't necessarily been able to do that. And uh, after calling from a long ways, but um, in fact, I. Th- I see that first week, the second, the second weekend between Saturday and Sunday, I caught up five longbeards um, within those two days, and it was just uh, they didn't have any hens or anything. It was just pure, just calling to them, and they they answered everything you say and come straight in there to you. Um, and then uh, one of those birds, heck, I think he gobbled maybe four, five times, and came in silent. Um, but he, of course, he was he was an old bird. It's, you know, th- those birds are going to do that. And in fact, how I didn't spook him, I don't know, because I sure enough walked past him. I walked past this turkey in the middle of a pine pine plantation. He was still in the roost. Walked past him, then and then finally got him to gobble, and he wouldn't gobble at an owl. I don't know if they're these birds are getting to where they don't want to gobble at an owl, or 
they've got that associated with with, with the hunter. Um, he never did gobble until I started yelping at him. Um, but once I started yelping at him and got him a little fired up, like I said, he gobbled four or five times, flew down, come straight to me. But I mean, it's most and like I said, most of these morning hunts that I've been on have been like that. If um, one hunt we did, uh, we walked up the. We're gonna look down the road, and what he's gonna show me about where they'd roost at. And you got to look, and and there he was in the tree. And I mean, how he didn't see us, I don't know. We just kind of eased back, sat down, and I yelped at him, and he gobbled back. I yelled about four or five times, and never said anything. And then the next time we gobbled, he was within twenty yards, and come you know come on in there to us. So. I don't think it's any anything necessarily special that we've been we've been doing, but it's just kind of trying to get in tight on. Don't get too tight. We try not to do that. The you know getting right there within forty yards of them was kind of by accident, but kind of get in there and do a little do a little soft yelping, and then you know if there are hens that are involved, get just as aggressive as they are, if not more. And a lot of times you'll either call them up to you, or you know in while all that's going on, you could either call him up or his abortant bird. So everybody that's always said, oh, you're calling too much, shoot, listen to some of these turkeys in the woods, some of these hens that get lost or, or you know, they're they're by themselves at, at, at first thing in the morning. You're going to hear some calling. They'll, they'll get at it. So, Well, kind of to wrap this up and wrap up this episode, you know, what's a final tip you'd leave with the listeners uh, for maybe something they can start trying out for the rest of the season, especially in Alabama and Mississippi, uh, to maybe have some luck and uh, end their season on a good note? Um, probably one thing I'd have to say is don't be scared to hunt them in the afternoons. Um, a lot of people think afternoon hunts is boring. You're not going to get much gobbling. Of the, the, yeah, that you know that will happen. But right now, these birds, you know, they don't they either don't have any hens or they don't have a lot of hens left. If they find a, if they find a, a hen and daylight hours where they can, you know, get with them and breed, they're going to try or either even, you know, get close enough to be right there with them at fly down the next morning. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And then just, you know, get, getting after them in the morning. Don't, don't just give up on him. You know, if he flies down and shut up, just stay with him. He's gonna, he's, he's gonna end up, coming back looking for you because right now they've they're like i said they're limited to the amount of bird, amount of hens they've got to breed so they're getting they're getting pretty desperate all right perfect well side good luck for the, uh, you guys in the rest of the season uh, down in uh, alabama and again we appreciate you coming on this week's episode of the strut report oh yeah anytime hopefully we hopefully this old mother will strike one more at least I, i'd like to i'd like to kill my fifth one and kind of get my revenge back but i'm hoping we're gonna kill more than that all right guys and that's a wrap for this week's episode it's really kind of a more of a bonus episode i mean it's kind of a strut report but really a little more in-depth episode that i really enjoyed actually uh, talking about Devin and Sai, who's both of those guys have been having fantastic seasons so far this year and you know i know Devin's got a lot more to hunt uh this year and i, I think Sai might try to get up to another state if possible but anyways we appreciate y'all listening to this week's strut report always make sure you tune in for monday's episode uh, that drops every morning at 6 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and then also, you know, anybody else in the state of Alabama, Mississippi, or Georgia, you know, some of these southern states that 
don't have a whole bunch of time left. I know Georgia's got, I think, to May 15th, if I do remember correctly, for the season. But Alabama's coming to a close fairly soon, along with Mississippi. Uh, good luck to everybody in those states. And if you have any success, shoot us a message on Facebook and or Instagram. And uh, let us know. We'll do a little shout-out for you. And we also appreciate y'all for listening. So thanks again. Y'all have a great weekend. And we'll see you on Monday. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year, and guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.